0: Hi, everyone. Back at you with another episode of ESEC Lending Insights, where we keep it unscripted, real and interesting.
1: Unscripted, Peter, I would say that's definitely true, but interesting. Why don't we let our listeners decide on that one? What we are here to do, folks, is share with you our thoughts and perspectives on the securities lending industry, whether that be about demand trends or just what's going on in the industry. And now over to our episode.
0: Let's go. Hi, everybody. Great to be back with another episode of ESEC Lending Insights, and this time we have a featured guest who is one of our most favored voices on our daily call, which is Mike Brooks. Welcome, Mike. Good to have you with us
1: today. Peter, I feel like I've said this before, but I don't think Mike deserves the title of guest. You always sort of confuse titles for people, whether they're guests or they're hosts or they're contributors. Can you a throw distinguished,
2: can you throw distinguished in front of guests and then we'll allow
0: it? Have you noticed that a lot of establishments now don't talk about customers, they talk about guests? It's actually putting him at a higher level because we'll be nicer to him than to each other. In any case, welcome, Mike. We look forward to your insights. So, Mike, a lot's going on in your space, right? <laughs> higher rates, more interesting yield curve. Tell us what's on your mind these days.
2: Yeah, of course. I feel like the last time I did one of these, it was last year and it was flattest, you know, the curve's been, there was no credit spreads. The market was flushed with cash and there was even talks for a while where of rates go in negative and the Fed had to get involved to do some technical adjustments to kind of give money market investors an opportunity to invest in, in the positive. It was a whole year that went by without the Fed in play. So 2020, for some time, we knew that it was going to be a bit more interesting, and that was welcomed from a lot of short-term investor perspectives. I think it's been even more optimistic than that, and it's been even more volatile and hectic. A few things, obviously, that were unforeseen is we're having some heightened, all-time high inflation that the Fed is trying to get out of control, uh, which would just lead to a more hawkish sentiment and a faster tightening cycle. We have an increased pace of kind of balance sheet runoff and the quantitative tightening, you know, so the reversal of some of the asset purchase programs that was going on the last 18 to 24 months, basically taking reserves out of the system and adding some kind of pressure, some much needed upward pressure to the funding markets. And obviously, we've had geopolitical tensions. Uh, The Russia-Ukraine war backdrop has created an environment where issuers alike are kind of stretching for U.S. dollar liquidity. A lot of it is just still U.S. dollar, still the reserve currency. A lot of it's precautionary ahead of some of these tensions. So a lot of these different drivers have kind of flipped the supply-demand dynamic that was a very cash-long market and very spotty issuance from a supply side that gave really all the pricing power. Over the past year to the issuers, basically anything they put on screen and and we're offering, we're getting lifted very quickly by money funds and and state funds alike. And there was really no opportunity to bid back and to get higher levels. So we're starting to see this reversal change a little bit. We're starting to see more supply built into the issue, into the system. We're seeing... Obviously, heightened credit premiums you know, go through, you know, as I said, a lot of the same drivers that I just mentioned. So for our large GC holders, we're raising cash at a faster pace than I think we did in 2021. We're seeing some heightened balances. And we're at some of our all-time high imbalances for our large cash programs. Raising, you know, what we call it, an enhanced cash in both term and kind of open overnight structures and just trying to find some opportunities along the curve. What you're seeing from a lot of the money fund front end type, you know, in investors is definitely the need to build in more liquidity. And I think we're seeing some patience and you're seeing maybe some defensive investors who are going, you know, You know, each Fed meeting is now in play where there's a possibility of a rate hike is a possibility of, you know, now 25 bips in the next two. So you're seeing many investors keeping a lot of their cash short. I think in the last year, we're seeing an increased demand from investors for SOFR issuance. You know, with the elimination of LIBOR coming up, you're seeing not many other benchmarks coming to fruition here. So you're seeing, I think the majority of the market, probably upward of 70% now is in the credit space is going through, you know, in SOFR having that floating functionality not having to try to play the guessing game of when and how much the Fed is going to be in play. So I think for investors who are maybe a little more locked up on the financing side and willing to take a little more duration risk, they are being rewarded for the further out they go. So I think the clients alike that have a little more aggressive guidelines are definitely seeing the enhancement on their yields. And if you're looking at the all-in asset liability spread, I think these spreads are creeping up. You know, The further we get away from our last March hike on the treasury financing side, the treasury, they're still well-bid. Collateral is still in demand. A lot of that has to do with the Russia Ukraine tension, as well as making it, as I said, U.S. dollar liquidity advance, and that you know pertains to Treasuries as well. So, still feels like we're getting pretty good pricing on the lending side, especially looking to break even to OIS, and we're starting to see it creep up on the asset side. So, it's nice to, to be in an environment where we're starting to you know see that gap widen out and start picking up some spread because that wasn't there all of 2021. What we're focused on, and, and a lot of our GC clients and investors alike, will continue to kind of go meeting to meeting because, you know, once you go have a lot of floating rates on the liability side, you know, your rebate rates will increase one for one on the day of after the hike. So you see, you know, a slight spread compression on that day. And then the same way we did the last month, you start seeing that creep back up, creep back up, creep back up. And it's kind of just another cycle once the next tightening hits. So, you know, how you position your book there is you do a combination of fixed and floating. and And we have a pretty good breakdown between what is floating, what is fixed and kind of trying to find the optimal mix there.
0: Quick question, Mike. So one key theme that's interesting, I think to me and to others listening is the GC trade because you were mentioning enhanced GC levels on Jim's side, right? Being put out to build balance so you could take advantage of the cash spreads on your side. Yep. One interesting dynamic there would be to hear from Jim as to how that level has changed here recently and how you and Jim work together. For those clients who like volume, who want to kind of take advantage of general collateral, how that communication and how that's changed.
3: And now you know why we only invite Mike once every year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because he dominates. The higher rates for us, we're coming off of zero lending equities and corporate bonds. We price our loans off of OBFR. And you know we've been at zero or near zero for 10 years. Some of the kids on the desk don't even know what it's like to have a rebate rate that actually is meaningful. So I think as we head into these hikes, we're now at 32. Is that right, Mike, for OBFR? Yep. And say we go 50, and just for argument's sake, 50 and 50, the next couple of meetings, you're into 125, 150 basis points rebate rate that's getting paid for loans. And so it's going to change dynamics, I think, quite a bit. What we've seen initially, what I think he was referencing both lending treasuries and lending equities, they're well bid now. So what we're seeing and what we think we're seeing away from us is buying cash, buying market share through lending equities. So there's plenty of demands. For GC borrows, there is a good short base. It's just not very special right now. And we're seeing OBFR plus five and plus 10 fly out the door for open loans and slightly above that for term loans in the lending equity space. So I think first mover advantage there. So anybody who has a cash program already set up and running and willingness to an existing portfolio as Mike talked about that widening spread between the assets and the liabilities, if you can take advantage of it early here, it's going to be a very active period, I think, over the next couple of quarters for anybody who lends GC. Intrinsic value lending, a little bit different, although that is picking up average fee in our space over the last three or four weeks has ratcheted higher. So it's only a few basis points higher, but it's percentage-wise, it's a pretty good move. So one thing we've seen, Peter, when we moved rates, so we have to move our book of business. So we take all existing loans that are floating off of OBFR, we move them up when that moves. But what it does do, anything that's special is a negotiated rate. So we negotiate a neg-5 rebate rate, for example. So that's 500 basis points below zero plus the 32 bips above. When the Fed raises, the OBFR rate level goes up another 25 or 50 bips. All the GC will move, but those specials will get that much more special. So they're priced off of supply and demand dynamics, not off of free money levels so the specials will become more special if you look at it that way
1: and jim as further rate hikes occur you don't see any softening of these sort of gc balances and the demand for the cash that we're seeing or the demand for securities that we're seeing today or do you see like blips in it i guess like around rate hikes
3: we'll see volatility around balances higher volatility i think but as long as there's product to buy on Mike's side of the world, then there will be people willing to pay up via lending equities versus cash. So much like we saw in this middle two quarters of 2020, when the rates were cut, same sort of phenomenon, just going the, the other way. So now it's less optimal from the lending perspective when rates are getting jacked up, but there's still the same opportunities. You just have to find them.
1: And Mike, for the fact that you're seeing more issuance right now in the market, Is that because issuers are trying to build up dollar liquidity for their own organizations? Or is that actually because there really is less cash in the market right now? And therefore, there's less, you know, the competition kind of around issuance has changed.
2: I think maybe a combination of both. Right now, I think just the overall issuance needs from the issuing community has been larger in general since year end. And then coupled on top of kind of some of the geopolitical headlines, I think just kind of raising cash precautionary, whether or not it's needed. A lot of CP issuance is is raised. Some will do it to kind of fund just different internal operations. Some do it to fund dividends. Some do it to fund other conduit type programs. So there are a few different reasons for raising the cash. And I think when you're in a volatile geopolitical climate, I think you have seen the past HQLA assets and access to dollar liquidity, you know, become apparent. I think people are also gearing up for a more hawkish tone of the Fed. And I think we're looking at a balance sheet runoff of about $90 billion in coupon a month. And, you know, it's going to take some time to really drain some of the excess reserves out of the system. I, I think I mentioned on, I don't know, this call or a prior one where, you know, you have 1.8 or whatever sitting of uh, idle cash sitting at the Fed at the reverse repo facility. So it's going to take, that's going to have to get drained as well as, you know, just other kind of reserves before you really start seeing, I think, you know, material pressure in funding markets. But I think people are getting out ahead of that, raising, raising dollars now and locking in pricing where they can especially in the volatile climate. And if you can lock in a premium now that you're comfortable with, you don't know if that's going to go higher in in a couple of months, especially if you look at the trend the last couple of weeks, you know, we've seen premiums to SOFR bounce around 20, 30 basis points. That's more spread than we saw all of 2021, just in a couple of weeks. So it's, it's been moving around as well. And just to Jim's point on, you know, will buying cash be a phenomenon going forward? I totally agree with it. It's going to depend on what assets you can buy all of 2021, you weren't able to buy three-month cash and then match it off directly with the three-month asset. The spread just wasn't there, didn't make any sense to do. So what you were seeing was these programs running mismatch books, you know, buying three-month cash, spending out in nine or 12 months. And what you saw from kind of money funds and portfolios in general was kind of duration limits start getting pretty tight because the WAMs and the weighted average life of so your book start creeping up pretty fast that way. So when you're able to match up one for one, I think you start seeing people kind of jump at that. I think some of that phenomenon is going on right now as well. But it has moved around a lot. There was some better opportunities a couple of weeks ago than there, than there was just as early as last week or today. So, you know, it's a lot of moving parts.
3: The higher rates, Mike, because that had an impact on your non-cash book, either in fee or demand?
2: Yeah, I think you're seeing a lot of that has to do with HQLA assets as well. I think you're seeing just treasuries that upgrade trade from the borrower perspective in demand. Some of the, the swaps market hasn't widened as much as I think maybe some would imagine when we got into year end and we have the Fed back in play and then all, obviously some of the Ukraine, Russia stuff. But we're definitely getting locates for that. And then those structures are still going to be skewed for appetite in term. Just, you know, help some LCR and different HQLA type of buckets. But yeah, I think we have seen overall, I think it definitely a pickup from 2021 because those trades in general as well were compressed in 2021. We had some good balance, but the levels were pretty much on their floor. And it was a lot of the same factors, just basically ample US dollar liquidity. There was the Fed putting swap lines in with a lot of different central banks, just making US dollar liquidity even easier to access. So a lot of the things that were driving that typically drive those trades, we didn't see a lot in 2021.
0: Mike, what about specials activity across the curve? Has any of that shifted with this new environment that we're in?
2: Yeah, that's another good point. 2021 as well was a very, I would say muted specials activity on the treasury side. You saw, you know, a couple issues, really take a deep into the negatives, but it was their typical 10-year, 30-year in the first month of the first cycle where the Fed supply is at its lowest, and they're used as kind of the benchmark bonds for different hedging strategies and just liquidity in general. Basically, since January, we've seen definitely a wider breadth of specials across the entire curve. A lot of that has to do with the outright cash movements or in the cash market. The yield curve has been all over the place. Jim made reference to the the 10-year yield this morning being at uh, whatever high it was in the last X amount of years. Uh, So we've seen a lot of movement there. We haven't really seen too much of the curve go into trading at feels levels, really going deep into the couple percent negative. But we're seeing pretty strong borrower locates from the street on a wide array of issues, more than the last couple of years have been. So that's been nice as well. It feels like a healthy market. And I think that's going to be the case here in the near term.
1: So speaking of healthy markets, Jim... U.S. equities, auctions coming up in what will be Q2 of 2022, do you think there's any real difference to how the same assets may have performed in past quarters? Or do you think that, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think anything from an intrinsic perspective really has shifted yet? Or do you think that the sort of forward 12 month outlook is any different in terms of where borrowers might place intrinsic bids for U.S. equities? Crystal ball time? Yep.
3: I don't think it's going to be enlightening. We're not going to get ridiculously high bids, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw year-over-year improvement on both participation and fees, uh, bid for, say, a Russell 2, Russell 3, or some broad U.S. portfolio. We have been seeing, and I expect to continue to see, unique structures addressing the various pain points that each broker has, like Mike was saying, it might come in the form of term or different bells and whistles that they'll need to attach to get to achieve what they need to achieve to satisfy regulators or internal groups. So we'll continue to have to put some thought to make everything apples to apples when we get bids. But I wouldn't be surprised to see it up year over year. But if I had to guess, I would say it wouldn't be.
1: So you You just contradicted yourself right there. Did I? (laughs) Yeah. Your crystal ball just took both sides of the bat.
0: Listen, I think you want to be sitting on mic right now. I'm a winner. (laughs) We call that fully hedged.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) All right.
0: I think we want to be sitting on Mike's desk. Mike's desk sounds a lot more exciting these days. Specials across the board, you know, better cash spreads. (laughs) I don't know. He's exciting. Jim should be a guest next time, and Mike can be part of the core. Mike's
3: desk is exciting four times a year, quarter ends and year end. That's it. Four days. That's all he's got. I'll give it to him. December 31st is your day.
0: I'm just glad we're virtual right now. This could get a little bit dicey. That's why Jim gets all the job wrecks.
3: (laughs) Uh Oh, another podcast derailed. Look at us.
0: And Jim, what about sectors? Have any sectors changed as far as interest levels, things popping up, and anything that's different?
3: The concentration in technology shorts seems greater. So it's not a new short or a new idea. From a short side but it's more of the same so which could be a good thing crowded we haven't had crowded shorts in a number of quarters and if we start to see crowding into technology shorts that might be a good thing for us from a securities lending revenue standpoint but no no new like airlines in the covid times nothing new like that no
0: but is it still fair to say that things are concentrated overall for <laughs> where people are making their money it's coming from a small group of securities
3: yeah I mean, there hasn't been, the capital markets are relatively closed, so there hasn't been a whole lot of M&A and IPOs this year. So we haven't seen revenue from there, but a lot of the deep specials that we have are IPOs from last year that are approaching expiration dates and the like. So yeah, similar stories, definitely concentrated. Two or three names keeping everybody's individual portfolios afloat from a revenue standpoint. GCs there, if you're a GC lender, you're seeing breadth and depth of shorts.
0: And last year was like a corporate event IPO kind of headline for the whole year as far as revenue drivers. I'm going to ask you to crystal ball again and you can hedge yourself perfectly again if you want to. But <laughs> if we look back on the year come December, what's going to be the headline for this year if last year was corporate events and IPOs?
3: I Any think it will be ETFs will be the winners this year okay. as we have macro overhang from the war and a lot of uncertainties at a macro level, people are hedging themselves out using ETFs. And so that will bear some fruit, I think.
0: It's about hedging. It's not about making macro bets. Or do you think it's both?
3: Both. It's both. It's a nice, easy way to get in and out of a trade in and out of an idea or risk. But it's also a great hedge if you have a mandate to own a certain portfolio or index.
0: Interesting. So if you're a beneficial owner, owning ETFs is going to be helpful to your lending program this year. The strategy of long and lend
3: will pay dividends this year. Right, great. Well, that was insightful. Mm-hmm. I think I it's probably know. dead wrong. Yeah. Probably <laughs> dead wrong, but <laughs> I said it with conviction.
0: All right. Well, I think we've used enough of our time here. Any other final thoughts, parting words of wisdom?
3: Thank, Thank you, me. Mike, for joining us today on this podcast.
0: Yeah. On and I won't, won't call you a any guest in. anymore. You can be core, a core panelist.
2: Distinguished guest is what I'd like to be known as going forward.
1: How about distinguished colleague? Okay.
2: Mostly I was just one of the adjectives distinguished in there for whatever whatever you're following up with is fine.
0: I think that's done. All right. Well, thanks guys, as usual. Mike, appreciate the insight and we'll have you as our distinguished participant, however we want to go with it again and again. Sounds good. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope we left you with something interesting and productive to utilize in your daily securities lending activities.
1: And friends, don't forget to subscribe to East Deck Lending Insights wherever you get your podcasts. And now for our disclaimer. This material is for your private information and does not constitute legal tax or investment advice. There's no representation or warranty as to the current accuracy of nor liability for decisions based upon such information. Thank you for listening.